Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Work hard to stay focused. When you feel yourself falling asleep, shift your weight to, to, to put the strain on the other side of your body. When, 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 when you feel your mind drifting, uh, sit up and, and focus in tighter because God wants to tell you something today. And I promise that if you will be the one listening, God will speak to your heart. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, the Bible says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, How Strong Is Your Faith When the Storms Come? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I pray now you'd strengthen my body, anoint my mouth and my mind to say things that would honor you. God, I pray you'd speak to us today from your word by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's cut that whole heat fan everything off uh, it's too hot in here people are gonna fall asleep um, that's why I always say wear short sleeve bring a jacket and a blanket um, to, to make sure that you stay comfortable but I don't want that heat in my voice right now because it's <coughs> getting that tickle in the back of my throat let's 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 think about the title of the message how strong is your faith when the storms come some of you don't show up on Wednesday night and you're missing out Wednesday night is my favorite service of the week. We get deep into the Word of God. We talk. There's time for a discussion, interactive dialogue. And I, <clears throat> I was printing off my notes Wednesday night uh, for everybody. Everybody gets uh, the, they get the notes. There's some fill in the blanks. There's a homework assignment to take home if you want to do it throughout the week. But when I was printing off uh, everybody's worksheet, I saw Sister Diane in Deacon Ken's uh, office, and I said, man, I said, I don't know if y'all talk this way up in Washington State in the top left corner of America, but tonight's message, tonight's lesson is going to be a humdinger. It's going to be a barn burner. It's going to be a hoot nanny. And I, 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 don't, I don't think they say those words up there in uh, the, the far left coast, but... Um, we are learning about God's Word on Wednesday night, and I want to encourage you to show up. I actually preached Wednesday night what I was going to preach, or taught Wednesday night what I was going to preach today. Um, 
and I want to make sure that you know Wednesday nights are for you as well. One time a week is just not enough. And I know when you were really growing in your faith or when you got around somebody who was really growing in their faith, you heard somebody say, I just love that midweek Bible study. I can get my faith fueled back up. It's a midweek fill up. Come and get that. Um, I, but I know everybody can't work, different schedules. Come if you can't. Pray for us if you can't. But when I exhausted Wednesday night, what I was planning on saying today uh, I had to get back on my knees and ask God to guide me to the right words to say to his people this morning. And I promise you, God's got something to say to you today. You try to stay locked in on it. But if this was a Wednesday night, we'd go around the room and we'd really talk about how strong is your faith when the storms come in. And we'd get some personal testimonies on that and we would hear from people. Because here's the reality. For most people, do you think most people's faith gets stronger or weaker when the storms come? See, that's just a little Wednesday night activity right there. Is this going to kick off? It's still blowing a, mi a million miles an hour on, right into my mouth. Thank you. Um, but I want you to consider your own faith. How strong is your faith when the storms come? What reaction does that solicit from you? Now, the Bible says that our religion is based on... Um, on, 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 the, on the faith of the apostles and the prophets, uh, with Jesus being the chief, on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus being the chief cornerstone. These stories, the Bible says, we have for our example so we can learn from them. And I want you, when you read the Bible, I want you to understand what it meant to them, how it applied to them then, but I also want you to see how it applies to you now. Because God's always the same. And the way he did things before is the way he's still doing things now. So we're going to go through these handful of verses, and we're, I'm just going to pull out some things and try to get you to think this morning of what God is trying to say to you. So let's look back in verse 35. I'm going to be able to teach you this morning. Follow along. In verse 35, the Bible says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, here's what I want you to do. Notice how, whose idea it was to go where the storm will be. Think about that. Whose idea was it to take these followers of Christ and put them where? Did he know that storm was going to be there? Did he know he was taking them to where the storm was going to be? Get it out of your mind altogether what the devil is trying to do to you and get focused on what it is that God is in control of. And you will begin to be able to flourish more. Well, I just don't believe that the Lord would lead me into a storm. Is he different now than he was then? Has he changed who he is? Does he operate on a different time frame? No, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did then, he would do now. And he did this to them then to teach them something. And he recorded it in his holy word so that we could learn from it. I want you to know that it ain't the devil who's always leading you into a storm. God wants to take you through a storm. I've told you parents many times some of the reasons why your children are so dependent on you now in their 30s and 40s. I'm not even going to ask. I, got, I, I see so many parents still paying car insurance uh, and cell phone bills on 35-year-old children. That never happened in life before because parents used to hold their children to a standard. Well, we baby children so much in the last couple of generations. I've had to tell parents, let your kids learn from some hard knocks. 
Don't bail them out so quickly every time. We had a family one time serving in ministry at the church, and uh, the, the wife and the kids were. The husband was, was, was you know, go, he was unsaved and had an alcohol problem, and he ended up going to jail. Put his hands on the wife. They called the cops. They called me 3 o'clock in the morning. I go over to the house. The cops are hemming him up. Uh, and now everybody's crying, oh, don't take him to jail. I'm like, then y'all the ones that called him? How frustrating would you be if you respond? You're a police officer. You respond, uh, he beat me, he beat me. Don't you dare take my husband to jail. <laughs> so anyway, they take him to jail. They're all upset. They don't have any money to bail. They call me the next day. Uh, bond was only $50, but they didn't have it. And so they asked me, uh, you know, would, would I pay it for them? Because, uh, you know, they, they understood that uh, we lean on each other. You, you help us, we help you. And so I said, well, you know, I really feel I ought to go talk to him first. And so I got my little prison to get into jail, preacher card, and I go up there and I sit down and talk to him. And I, uh, I called his wife. She said, I said, yeah, I went by to see your husband. And she said, oh, is he out? I said, nope. Not out. I said, based on his attitude, I believe he's right where he needs to be. And I believe you ought to leave him there until arraignment. And they don't, get, they don't hurry for these people anymore. You, you used to go to jail. I mean, uh, you, you go to jail on, on a Monday night, get booked on a Monday. You, you, you stand in front of somebody by Wednesday. Now, it might be a week, a month, six months, a year. But I said, go ahead and just let him sit there and cool off for a minute. He stayed in there on the fifth day. He prayed to receive Christ. And, with, and I don't know how it turned out, but it didn't seem like a jailhouse conversion at the time because his life changed uh, and he, he became a new person. But I don't believe that everybody needs to be bailed out right away. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm sure that's got to be hard on mommies. Little Junior scuffed his knee, want to go run, get him out. Uh, I saw, I, I had a, a family that I knew, uh, their son actually shot and killed a man at a board meeting with 13 people in the room. He got mad, walked out to his truck, got a gun, walked back in, shot the man in front of 13 people. 30-year-old man did this. Um, little town in North Carolina, but before he even got out of the parking lot, the cops already had him. His parents put a mortgage on their paid-for house to get the best lawyer they could to try to get their son off. I'm like, he ain't getting off. He going to prison for decades. They spent all their money, went into, and, I, and, and that helped me because I've told my sons, and, and, and Seth's sitting in the back of the room right now, and he knows I've told him, if you did it, you, you better hope they give you a, a nice public defender with half a brain because I ain't spending no money to get you out. Now, if you didn't do it and it was a setup and, and, and they wronged you, then I got money and I'm going to get you a good lawyer and we're going to fight it to the death. But if you did it, I put some money in your commissary. <laughs> but I ain't putting a mortgage on my house. Sometimes... You learn better 
in the midst of some stuff. It's when you fall off that bike that you try to stay upright harder. It's, it's when you scrape your knee that you realize that's not a good idea. I'm going to get off these personal stories in a minute because, I, you know, people criticize that. But Seth had a typical teenage boy. Seth's, Seth's adventurous. He's not scared of anything. And uh, he's got this dog that is fast as lightning. Uh, you can't imagine. But from the name of it, Mini Golden Doodle. Now, this ain't no pocket purse dog. This, this, this dog is, is, is about this big and the fastest thing on four feet. And Seth, you know, Seth rode skateboards and longboards his whole life. And so he thought, you know, well, I'll just let the dog pull me around on the sidewalk through the neighborhood at 30 miles an hour. Okay. And I, I told him, you come off that thing, get your hands down quick. Or, or, or get in that grass. So he's out there, 3 o'clock one morning, the dog's pulling him 20, 30 miles an hour, probably hit a rock. Anyway, skateboard comes to a stop. Guess what happens when the longboard comes to a stop and you're on it? Face first. Cut a big old hole in his face. Had to get that stitched up. Um, but to prove that even teenage boys can have wisdom and learn, guess how many times he's had that dog pull him on that longboard since we sat in that emergency room at Baptist Hospital? Mm -hmm. He learned. And some of the best lessons that you can ever learn in life are when you're in a difficult situation. So we got to know that God is a good parent. And, and Jesus led them into the storm. This Mega church movement in America that has tried to make God a genie in a bottle where if you just say the right words, click your heels three times, your miracle is coming. I, please, just remove me. If you can't stop posting these ridiculous social media posts that say, send this post to seven people and God's going to bless you before 5 p.m. today. Just If you got to send that stuff out because you just have to, please take me off. I don't want to see your bad theology. That's voodoo and witchcraft. That's not Christianity. That ain't how God blesses people. We, we, we've got a whole group of churches out there teaching people, you know, send your seat, ripping off old ladies because uh, that's the majority who gives on TV. Uh, send $100 today and God's going to send you $1,000 by the end of the week. That's not in the Bible. And that doesn't work everywhere. That doesn't work for people in, in Botswana. That, that doesn't work for people in sub-Sahara Africa. And, and if it doesn't work for Christians all over the world, then it ain't God. Because God's word works for all his children everywhere all over the world. But we got it put in our minds from these liars on TV and big churches telling, telling people, if you get on God's side, he's going to send you lots of money and everything's going to be great. And every bump in the road, it's the devil. It's the devil. I tell you what, you're welcome to come into my office and get free counseling. But be ready. Be ready for uh, some truth to come at you. I had somebody in my office one time, they wanted to come talk about finances. And, and God's blessed me to have some wisdom and some, some uh, uh, be blessed financially. And so they wanted to come talk to me about finances. And they just started crying. <laughs> but the devil just, the devil went to destroying my finances. I said, well, let me ask you this. How, how, how faithful are you being on your tithes and offerings? Well, it's been rough lately. 
So the God who told you to pay tithes and offerings and told you that if you don't, he'll blow on your money and make it go away, he's not responsible for your financial difficulties. It's the devil. Now, you either learn that from Flip Wilson or these liars on TV. But the devil is in charge of nothing, y'all. Nothing. He's been given some responsibilities by God. He's been given some leeway by God to do some things on this planet. But he don't override God on anything. And you need to see here the one who led them into this place where he knew there was going to be a storm was the Lord. Look at verse 36. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out. Oh, they're doing good. They're they're doing what he said. They're following him. They're obeying him. They, They get him in the boat. They take off. It says, leaving the crowds behind. Sounds like more good theology right there. Jesus was always departing from the crowds and going to a solitary place. He, sometimes you just need to get away from the noise. And so it looks like everything is going fantastic. Surely God's going to bless them. And listen, this false theology is so deeply ingrained. My mother, who's one of the first members of this church, uh, well, actually this was before we started this church. When I was going downtown, uh, when I had Mission Jacksonville, a nonprofit organization, 501c3 nonprofit organization, ministering to homeless people. And I was walking downtown Jacksonville every day of the week. Um, my mom used to get freaked out because I would park my car at, at First and Main. Uh, and then I would walk down to Eighth and Main and go up and down to Liberty and every street in between um, and just look for people on the sidewalk uh, and in vacant houses and share Christ with them. And I was, I was smart. I left everything in my truck. Uh, I wouldn't even been able to identify my, if a police officer would have pulled me over and said, show me ID, I'd be like, well, can we walk back to First and Main? Because I, I ain't down here walking with my money. In my, but anyway, my mom used to tell me, oh, son, I'm, you ought to take somebody with you. I'm just, I'm just so, you know, and that, that was back when Jacksonville was murder capital of the, of the nation. And she's like, so many people getting killed down there. And then, and then she'd throw this bad theology at me. She'd say, but... I'm going to calm myself down because I know you're doing the Lord's work and God wouldn't let nothing bad happen to you while you're down there sharing Christ with people. And I'd mess with them because that's how I am. And I'd be like, well, Mom, you know, if, if Apostle Peter's mother felt that way, she probably said, ain't, nobody, ain't nothing going to happen to my baby boy because he's out there sharing Christ. And they hung him upside down. He choked to death on his own bodily fluids. Why you got to say that, son? I'm like, well, maybe God wants me to go down there and get shot in the head today. Have my neck slit up and just bleed out before they end. Well, don't say that. And But she was like, had that hint of theology that said, if you're really following God, he's not going to let anything bad happen to you. You better read the Bible. If you're really following God, he's going to let you live in heaven forever. See, our promises aren't, aren't for uh, everything to be fine and dandy like hard rock candy here on this planet. The Bible says we're always going to have tribulation. The Bible says count it not a strange thing concerning fiery trial, which is to try you. We're going to have struggles, but he is going to get us through them, either by removing them from us, listen, or letting us die in the process and get to heaven. But either way, it's like the Hebrew boys going into the fire. you got to have that mindset. The king said, no, you're going to kneel to me. They said, no, we're not because we're not scared of you. And we're not scared of your fire because our God is able. They didn't say God's going to deliver us because he won't let nothing bad happen to us because we follow. They said, our God is able to deliver us from this fire 
or he'll deliver us in this fire. Here's what they were saying. He'll either, do this, he'll either turn this fire off or he'll put us in it and kill us. They said, but either way, we're not going to bow to you because they knew they were going to God one way or other. And that's the way we need to think. But they're doing everything right. Jesus told them what to do. They're doing it. They take Jesus. They take the boat. They leave the crowds behind, even though other people are following them. Listen, they did what Jesus told them to do. I want you to learn from these apostles. I want us to take some wisdom from what other people did. Because, see, for my son, it took falling off a longboard at 25 miles an hour face first, and he had, he had on a, a zip-up hoodie. He hit the concrete so hard and was going so fast that the zipper on the hoodie, can you, did, it, did it fade in yet or can you still see it? The zipper on his hoodie cut him. From it, the concrete unzipped his hoodie for him. It cut him from here to here. Big old red. He come in my house bleeding out of his face, you know, all red up from, from there. He hadn't done it. He learned that lesson the hard way. He could have listened and learned from somebody else's experience uh, because that's a good way to learn. Can you say amen? But most immature people have to learn everything the hard way. And some of you are grown and still learning things. Well, I just want to experience it on my own. I'll, I'll learn it eventually. Okay, go ahead. Life's tough on stupid. And I, I had a man tell me when I was young, if you're going to be... If you're going to be dumb, you better be tough because life's hard on stupid. But it's better to learn from other people's experiences than it is to have to experience everything yourself. And I want you to see they did what Jesus told them to do. I would love for people to be able to say about Scott Becker, he did what Jesus told him to do. I had somebody ask me the other day because it seems like everybody with over 20 years uh, in their current pulpit is now resigning or dying, and there's only uh, there's less than a dozen people, uh, pastors in the five county North Florida area that have over 20 years in their current uh, pastorate. Uh, me being one of them, and a handful of other people. So somebody asked me, "Well, uh, what what age are you going to retire at, Pastor Scott?" I said, "I don't know." Uh, and they said, well, how long are you going to keep doing this? I said, until God tells me it's time to stop. That's, I want my testimony to be he did what God told him to do. And you ought to want your testimony to be that you did what God told you to do. Now, here's the thing. Don't fall into that bad theology thinking, well, if I just do what the Lord tells me to do, it's sunshine and rainbows. It's unicorns and candy. <laughs> Not necessarily. But there's blessing in it. And there's provision in it. And there's, there, there's a reason for it. Look, look, look at verse 37. Jesus told them to go there. They did it. They're following him. They're obeying him. Verse 37 says, But soon a fierce storm came up. Say fierce. Not just a storm, a fierce storm. Listen, we're going to have storms in our life, but I'd rather have, you know, like a, a little storm than a fierce storm. Are you following me? This is a fierce storm. And if this is a storm of note to professional fishermen, people who fished on this lake their whole life, and it freaked them out, it was rough. And it says, the Bible says, then a 
fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Now, let me tell you something. There ain't no engine on this boat. There ain't, there ain't no point this thing to shore and, and hit the throttle and let's get out of this storm. No, they're out there being tossed around. Oars are not helping you when waves are crashing over your boat and filling your boat up with water. They're now at the mercy of the storm, and they, they're in trouble. And, and, and here's what I want you to get from this. Even though they were following Jesus and obeying him, the storm still comes. Now, a lot of people, mine would tend to say, well, if following Jesus and obeying Jesus, doing exactly what he tells me to do, is still going to put me in storms, well, what's the point in following him? Hear me good, because it's better to follow him than to not. It's better to have him in your storm than to not. It's better to have him with you than to be out there on your own. But even though they're following and obeying him, the storm still comes. Verse 38 says this. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. <laughs> How about Jesus? Everybody around him freaking out. He's getting a nap. Waves, listen, this is not, a, this is not an ocean liner. This is not a cruise ship. This, this is a rowboat. And it's bouncing up and down. And the, if the water is filling up the boat and the waves are crashing over top of the boat into the boat, do you think that Jesus had some type of force field around him? Or you think the water's splashing on him too? He's getting wet. But he ain't letting him mess up his nap. He's getting wet. But he's not freaking out. He's in the same boat, banging around, slamming around, getting wet. And he's just back there with his head on a cushion, not freaking out. The disciples woke him up, shouting. Oh, well, now we've all, we messed it all up from there. They did what he told them to do. They were following him. They were obeying him. He told them what to do. They did it. But now they're shouting at him. Now, it is so ingrained in proper people's mind that uh, comedians, first person I ever heard say it was Richard Pryor. I don't suggest you follow that. That's not good. For, I, heard, I was back before I was a Christian. Um, uh, Richard Pryor live on Sunset Strip, he said, um, one, of, one of his bits was, boy, you better get that bass out your voice when you're talking to me. People understand that. I know, I know, I, Sonny don't even let Cedric talk to her with all that bass in his... You responded to that. Marcus, call you up on the phone. Listen here, woman. That wouldn't happen. He'd been hit too many times. But there is a way to address people in authority. And it ain't by shouting at them. Now, Deacon Dixon was, was in the Army 30 years, 31 years, 30 years, rose to the highest uh, enlisted rank of E-9, command sergeant major, went to sergeant major's academy. Uh, he had to talk to a lot of people, uh, high-ranking officers. Uh, he had more access to high-ranking officers than any enlisted person uh, would ever have. But even with 30 years under his belt, with all those stars, all those stripes up and down on his sleeve, uh, with everybody, you know, rank below him, looking up to him, when he went in, to an officer that outranked him. Did you just go in there shouting, turning stuff over, screaming out, listen here, old man? No. 
It don't matter who you are. There's a way to approach people in authority. And it is not with all that bass in your voice, and it is never time for you to be yelling at Jesus. Mm-mm. And we need to understand. And some people just hate authority. I, I, there's, there's videos out there. You can YouTube video um, refuse, uh, people refuse to give their ID when stopped by a cop. Try that game if you want to. There's thousands of people out there claiming, I don't have to identify myself. Let me tell you something. About 48 states in America have laws that, that force you. You are required to identify yourself in the state of Florida. I don't have to tell you who I am. Who are you? What's your bad? And they just go harassing cops like that. I, I've, told, I've told my sons, you get pulled over by a cop, you leave your hands on the steering wheel, you do everything he tells you to do. Um, listen, you, you might have an advantage by the color of your skin to, to, for him not to be so trigger happy on you. But if you start sassing him, telling him what you're going to get, I, I demand to see a supervisor. I'm not answering questions. They got all these people mouthing up cops like this. I told Seth, Seth saw some videos like that. I said, boy, you better never talk to a police officer that way. Well, they, they, not, they, they got to obey the laws too. Listen, take and put the pain on you. I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. I, it, it was uh, in 1979, I was coming from a drug deal off Ashley Street, downtown Jacksonville, before they shut all that down and knocked down Big Al's Odyssey Show Club, the Golden Slipper, and the pool hall on the other side of the street. Y'all didn't grow up in Jacksonville. Y'all don't know nothing about downtown Ashley Street when, when the state attorney, uh, Ed Austin, bulldozed all those buildings, knocked the Popeyes down because too many people were getting killed down there. I was down there doing dirt, unsaved. I had a cop pull me over. What you doing down here, boy? So I'm a grown man. You're talking, calling boy. I said, what are you doing? I said, is there a law against me being on the corner, Ashley and Davis? They said, you need to crank this car, get on that interstate right there, and go back to wherever your mommy and daddy live. Because this ain't no place for you. I cranked my car up. I act like I was driving where he told me to. I hung a left. Tell me what to do. I ain't breaking no laws. I cut out all the middle of the story. Nine cop cars later, and me sitting in the back of one of them handcuffed. Made even an ignorant Scott Becker think. Maybe I should have just got on the interstate and took myself home. Do not be, people, listen, don't be so aggressive with people in authority. Learn, learn to how to come in and go out. Learn some wisdom. In you. These people come in there, listen, if you wake, if, if somebody comes in my room, wake me up screaming. It's a bad day at that point for whoever did it. I don't care who they are. And I, I quote scripture to them. The Bible says even a blessing given loudly uh, early in the morning will be counted as a curse to you. Don't go shouting at sleeping folk. Hear these people come in there th- acting common to Jesus. Before they're obeying him, following him, calling him Lord. Now all of a sudden because they're in a little bind, they think they can start screaming at God. Does your storm make you treat God different? Oh, not me. Come on. 
Teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? I want you to see this. Jesus don't get rattled by anything. He didn't get rattled by that storm. He didn't get rattled by their screaming at him. He didn't get rattled by their false accusation. Listen to these people. Jesus has left heaven to come give his life for them. He is the one feeding them with a few fish and some bread. He's the one doing miracles in front of them. Now all of a sudden, because they're in a little jam. Start noticing in your life when your pressure gets turned up on you, how it affects the way you deal with Jesus. Oh, you better check yourself. You better realize he's God at all times. And he's not rattled. And if he's not rattled, why are you rattled? Me, me and Gail, when, she, when, the, when the, all the medical doctors in America gave up on her and sent her home to die, I took her to a faith clinic in Mexico, and they had some drugs there that weren't, weren't FDA-approved in America, <coughs> and had a lot of prayer, and, and uh, it was a faith place. And we went there for 30 days. Uh, one day when she was feeling a little bit better, we walked across the street. Now, this place is not in Tijuana, Tijuana. I don't know how you get Tijuana out of Tijuana, but it's not in, or just everybody can say TJ. It's not in TJ. It's in Playa de Tijuana. Anybody know what that is? It's the beaches of Tijuana. It's like you got Jacksonville, but then you got Jacksonville Beach. Because Tijuana is a little bit inland from the border, but Playa de Tijuana is, I stood where the rusted sheet metal walked wall they called it a wall there were holes in it and you could swim 30 yards out into the ocean and just hook around it and and come right back on the make i and so we we walk and it was, the hospital is right across the street from the ocean and we walk over there and there's this big monumental day something there it's a little elevated uh big round pad and you you're above the fence so you can see the uh the naval air station san diego guy riding on a four-wheeler with an ar strapped to his back and we started getting surrounded. It was at least 15 Mexicans coming. And all of them dressed the same. Every single one of them, they were like in a club slash gang. Um, all of them had on baggy jeans and white wife beaters. And so they start closing in on us. And one of them, one of them walks over real close to me and he's like, tonight is going to be my night. I said, oh, good for you. He says, I, I go tonight. I'm like, all right. Bet. That's on you. And they start all getting, and she pulled me under the arm. She said, are we going to be okay? I started laughing out loud. I, I said, now, now I, I, I don't know what, it, what, what, what it's like, Shannon. I don't know what it's like, Wayne, uh, to, to be the biggest man in the room in America but there wasn't nobody standing around me bigger than five foot four, and none of them weighed more than 120 pounds. I said, baby, I'll pick these, I'll pick these children up by the tops of their heads and sling them over that wall. Are we going to be okay? Is this a joke? Are you testing me? I'm a 215-pound grown man. I just, just, I, just I mean, I, I, I'd be like Hulk Hogan fighting kindergartners in there. I literally laughed out loud. I'm surrounded by 15 gangbangers with gold chains and wife beaters on, but they were so ridiculous. Anybody ever been to Mexico? Average man in Mexico, five foot four. Rick, if you were in Mexico, you look like a giant. You were, Rick's walking around. 
Felt different, didn't it? Messing around. She said, are we going to be okay? (laughs) I said, I wish they would try me. I'd get my aggression out. But when you're with Jesus, you should never have a, are we going to be okay? Well, we're praying the Lord come through because we don't know if we're going to make this one. He's laughing. There's no challenge for him. He's not freaking out because it looks bad. Now, left to herself. Okay, so here's perspective now. Um, I I used to be 5'10", according to the Army. Back surgery and old age and shrunk me down about 5'9 Um, But when... You're six inches, I was six inches taller than every man in the room. Okay, so to understand that in America, the average height of every man in America, you can look it up, five foot nine. To be six inches taller than that average man, you got to be six foot three. Okay, I outweighed the average man in that circle by 90 pounds. Average man in America weighs 175 pounds, so you'd have to be 265. Now, if you're walking around six foot three, 265, and in good shape, you're probably not worried about the average people surrounding you. That's called perspective. But Gail, she said she was five foot and one half inch. I'm like, baby, at that height, that half ain't. And I don't even think she was that tall. I get, I, I just gave you some, some, something for, for, for uh, to, to gauge by. Um, how tall are you, Dina? Yeah, my sister towered over Gail. Gail. Gail looked like a child standing under my sister's arms. She, she was five, and this time she was, she was in, in stage of her life. Um, she got down to about 70 pounds. She was probably about 80 pounds, 85 pounds. She was five foot tall and 85 pounds. She was surrounded by people four inches taller than her and 50 pounds heavier than her, and it was making her nervous. And she wanted her man to let her know, yeah, we're going to be all right because I'll thump these dudes in their heads. Um, But if you're only living in your strength, the things that are surrounding you can look bigger than you. And maybe they are bigger than you. But if you know Jesus is right there with you, I mean, you may as well be standing on that uh, monumental De Plaza uh, viewing post with, with Mike Tyson and George Foreman in their prime standing there with you. You'd just be like, I, I'd love to see it go down. Jesus does not get rattled by anything. And if you know you're with him, I want you to start pulling on his strength. When you feel nervous about something, whether it's a test, a promotion, trying to get a new job, what's happening with your kids, what your kids are going through, what, what's happening in your marriage, whatever's going on, what's happening in your, in your body, I want you to realize Jesus is not rattled by your storm. Doesn't matter how angry you are, doesn't matter how scared you are, doesn't matter if you're yelling at him or if you're freaking out, he is calm because he knows he's stronger than your storm. Do you believe he's stronger than your storm? We looked Wednesday night at a verse out of Mark 12 where Jesus said, here's what your main mistake is. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God because if you knew the scriptures, then you wouldn't be freaked out about anything. If you knew how powerful God was, you'd just leave it all in his hands. And see, Jesus knew both the scriptures and the power of God, and that's why he doesn't get rattled by anything. If I had my rattle-o-meter, and I just start with Nancy and work it around, put it around your neck and see how easily you get rattled. Y'all know some of y'all just rattle for anything. Oh, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. 
uh, the, the presidential debates canceled my show tonight. I, I'm a, oh, Lord, I forgot to set my DVR and I didn't take my story. Ain't like going to take the day off from work tomorrow because you're too upset to go into work because you don't know what happened on the Bold and the Beautiful. Y'all think I'm kidding? And now, it, it, it's hard to, to lose a pet. I understand that. Um, it, it's an upsetting thing. As a boy in our high school, failed his senior year because his dog died and he couldn't go to school for three weeks. Failed his senior year in high school. Just couldn't, couldn't get up. And, and some of y'all are like, well, I couldn't leave it. Well, whatever. Okay. Maybe that's a bad example for you dog lovers. But let me tell you something. Some people, can we agree some people get more easily rattled than others? You need to figure out where you're at on the rattle-o-meter. And if you get easily rattled, you need to recognize the presence of God in your life. And, and you don't need to be that uh, nervous Nelly everywhere you go if you know that God is there and he ain't sure. He's still sleeping. Jesus is still sleeping. Put the, put the last verse back on the screen for me, guys. Listen to what they did. They shouted at him, and then they falsely accused him. They, 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 now, they phrased it in a question, but the only way this question comes out is because that's what they're thinking. He must not care about us. Don't you care? If somebody says, don't you even care about how that makes me feel? Well, they're accusing you of not caring by that tone in their voice and the very nature of their question. And they, the disciples falsely accused Jesus. Is that on a note? Is that something that should be on the screen? The disciples falsely accused Jesus. You want to know 2,000 years later what human beings in 2022 do? When, when life puts them in a little twist, when life puts them in a little bind, when a little bit of a storm with some pressure raises up, well, I just don't even know if God cares. I don't even know if God cares. I told you all before, uh, the first song my mama ever taught us was some foolishness that was po poisoned and brainwashed into her head uh, to, to make her think nobody cared about her. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll eat some worms. First bite the heads off, then suck the guts out. See how they wiggle and squirm. Y'all wonder why I am the way I am. My, my, my sons had, had, a, had a, a, a little five-foot-tall, 120-pound mama kneeling down by their bedside singing Amazing Grace. My mama's singing, nobody loves me. And I'm thinking, well, nobody loves you. Like nobody surely loves me. Listen, when you start feeling like God don't care about you, that's a major insult. That is a horrible thing to accuse God of. You better go through your life every minute of your day knowing what the psalmist knew. If mama and daddy turn away from me, the Lord will still lift me up. If nobody's on. And the reason why God chose to put it that way is because the last person that is going to turn on you is your mother. And if she does, there's a reason for it. And even if you did all the bad stuff in the world to cause your mama, your daddy, and all your friends to reject you, if you are a follower of God, he's still with you. He said, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. You don't ever need to wonder, does God care about me? The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that God proved his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't wait for you to get perfect, get all your stuff in one bag. Jesus didn't wait for you to become somebody before he showed his love for you. He always cares 
Don't falsely accuse Jesus. That, that's immaturity. If you do stuff like that, that's proving immaturity. If a child ever looked you in your face and acted like you didn't care. Listen, some of y'all have had these children look, look at you and act like you don't care enough about them. That is an insult, especially to a mother. Carried you in their body. Put their body through all types of transformation just, just to keep you alive and then gave birth to you. You're going you're, you're to look at your mother and act like, I don't even think you care about me. Why? Because you can't stay out at 4 o'clock in the morning with Ray Ray Pookie and them? This level of immaturity to falsely accuse people who have shown that they love you should not be something that God's people do to him. You need to have an assurance. He's on my side. He goes before me and he's my rear guard. He surrounds me with his love and his grace, his mercy and his protection. Uh, if, if God is for me, I don't care who's against me. You ought to have a reality that never puts you in a position to where you start questioning, does God even love me? Uh, wake up and realize absolutely he loves you. Verse 39 says, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, in, in this translation, it says, silence, be still. I like what it says in the King James. Anybody know what it says in the King James? Peace, be still. You ought to have a peace, be still mindset. When, when people start bothering you, you just ought to, peace, be still. And then let them think you're spiritually crazy and spooky and they'll leave you alone. Now, these were fishermen by trade, most of them. And they knew when the storm was fierce, they were helpless. They knew that we're at the mercy of the ocean now, guys. We're going to try to ride it out and hold on. And, and they felt very limited in ability and in power. They felt like the wind was stronger than anything. The waves were stronger than anything they could do. When Jesus stood up and said, shut up and calm down. And the wind stopped. And there was not just a calm, but a great calm. Yeah, 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 it's like when, when uh, great writers use a really dramatic expressions, say stuff like, the silence was so loud it was deafening. Yeah, you ever been in a place like that where, like, it's, it's just a little too calm in here right now? This is an eerie calm right about now. It, it was a great, and they were like, massive difference. Do you believe God can make a massive difference in your life? Oh, we're sitting in church. We say amen. When you're in the middle of your pressure cooker, when life is raging on you, when your boat is filling up with water and you feel helpless, can, can, can you at least come to your spiritual senses and understand that, that God can fix anything? Jesus, even after being falsely accused, he said, peace be still. And the wind stopped and there was a great calm. What I want you to understand today is he is more powerful than any storm. Now, if I were to ask you, do you believe that he is more powerful than any storm? I think we could get a consensus on that today in church. This handful of people here, I think we could get a, a total agreement um, from everybody in this room that claims to be saved that, oh, absolutely, Pastor, I know God. He, God is more powerful than anything. He's certainly more powerful than my story. Then why do you freak out so much? 
Why do you get so upset? Why do you let things get under your skin and bother you? If you know he's got it, he's, he's not freaked out, he's not rattled, why are you? If you really believe he's more powerful than what you're going through, why are you letting it upset you to such a level? See, it's easy to say the right answer, but where the rubber meets the road is how we respond. See, it's never how you act that tells the truth. It's how you react. See, most people act a certain way. See, if, if somebody in church says something sideways to you, you're probably going to act like a Christian. But if they had said that to you in the line at the kangaroo store, you might react. See, you can act how you want to act, but the react usually tells the real story about you. How do you react when people are stressing you out? How do you react when people are pressing you? How do you react when people are offending you? How do you react when life's not going your way? How do you react when, when trouble is on every side and you don't see the end of it? How do you react? Well, if you realize he's more powerful than your problem, maybe you can react a little bit more properly understand how powerful jesus is do you realize jesus spoke the entire world into existence you want to get somebody on a trivia question uh seth pulled out his uh phone the other night we were at a restaurant and they were playing some trivia game and he did and, and i was just crushing it uh we weren't turning on our answers but between me and seth we had the answers to all of it and he's like dad you're doing good i said yeah and they, they weren't even talking about sports or religion I said, they'd have got on either one of them top. So Seth decided he'd just break his phone out and hit me with some Bible trivia. And I'm like, I hate this game, son. I've, I've been having people try to throw trivia at me. People calling me up. Uh, Pastor, in, in, in Habakkuk 3.11, uh, what exactly does God mean by that? You really just want me to just know every random pastor in Leviticus 23 and 9? What exactly is that saying? You couldn't have wrote the verse down for me, refresh my memory a little bit? People just want to trip up uh, the expert. And fortunately, um, I, I, I was able to push out the right answers uh, for the questions. But I want to tell you something. If you know enough about God to know how big he is, you can react a little better. You don't have to be able to win a Bible trivia contest against a preacher to know how great God is. I hope you've already understood he's bigger than your problem. Uh, but Jesus, here's a great Bible trivia question to throw at people. Who spoke the world into existence? In the beginning, blank created the heaven and the earth. And Blank said, let there be light. So who spoke the world into existence in six days? In six days, blank created the earth and all that is in it. And on the seventh day, blank, who rested? Okay, so here's your great, here's your great trivia question. Who spoke the earth into existence? Just gave you the answer. The wrong answer. Jesus spoke the earth into existence. Jesus created the world and everything that was in it. No, Genesis 1 and 1. Don't trust anybody that says uh, Scripture addresses that way. If they say Genesis 1 and 1, there might be a spirit of religion on them. 
You don't have to add the word and in there, just Genesis 1 1. Well, and here's the favorite one in Acts chapter 2 and 37. No, in Acts 2 37. Uh, that's how I knew Donald Trump didn't know nothing about the Bible when he stood up there running for president, pretending, pretending to be a Christian. And he said, in two, in, two Corinthians, in two Corinthians, I called everybody I know. I said, this dude ain't been in church one day in his life. Ain't nobody ever, ain't no Christian ever said in two Corinthians. What did they say? In second, if you spent one day in vacation Bible school, you know it's second in two Corinthians. Anyway. Who spoke the world into existence? That's a good, that's a good Bible trivia question because everybody's going to say God. But listen to what the Bible says in John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now listen to what verse 3 says. And all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. The Word is Jesus. If you don't understand that, he was with God in the beginning. If you don't understand that from the first three verses in John chapter 1, get to John chapter 1 verse 14 where it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten Son of God. So who, verse 3 says, All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Who made everything? Ah. Sounds like a contradiction. But, but here, here, here's, here's the greater revelation. Who is Jesus? So you got the answer right either way. But this Jesus that's in the boat with these men, a storm, raging, fierce storm, pressure on them. They're getting scared. They're nervous. They're falsely accusing him. They're out there trying to follow him and obey him, and, and life's still going bad. For, I don't know why. I try to be the best Christian I can, and I still have to go through certain, certain Everybody goes through certain things. That's why the Bible says the troubles that are in you are in your brethren throughout the world. Hey, whatever you've been through. Jake told me one time after his mom died, he was, he was having some trouble in school, and I said, I said, son, you just, you just need to uh, try, try to understand everybody's gone through something. And he looked at me and he said, nobody else ever lost their mother. I said, son, we got people in our church that lost their mother. You ain't the only little boy that ever lost it. And I wouldn't, be in it, I wouldn't be in uncompassionate to him. I was trying to get him to understand. Because the devil wants you to think nobody's ever had it hard as you. Nobody goes through what you go. Everybody else's life is so easy. You only see what you see. You see... The 58-year-old me, you didn't see the 25-year-old me. You See, today, I got enough money that, one, I wouldn't be renting a tiny little one-bedroom apartment um, anywhere. But if I did and the house hadn't been, the apartment hadn't been cleaned in a while, uh, I wouldn't be as desperate as I was when I was 25 or 28 years old and lived in Tampa for, for nine months rented an apartment. They looked at my apartment. They said, we, we, you're not going to get your $350 deposit back. I got so freaked out, I called my sister. I don't even know if you remember that. I said, I'm going to need you to drive down to Tampa and help me clean this apartment because I, I, am, I am going to be financially bankrupt if I don't get this $350 back. So you, you don't know that, that version of me. You look at the people you see now, and you see the version of them that you get to know, but everybody's been through something. 
Everybody's got a sad song to sing. Everybody's had trials and tribulations. Don't let the devil tell you that you've had it any worse than anybody else. You think your life is bad, come, I'll, I'll sit you on a bench and tell you a real sad story. And you, you, you'd be like, oh, okay, well, I guess everybody goes through something. If you don't get nothing out of today's lesson, get this. You do not have the worst life in the world. Other people have been through stuff too. But the God who made everything revealed himself to us in this man, Jesus Christ. And if he is with you, then you ought to be laughing through life the way I was laughing on Monumental de Plaza uh, in, in the beaches of Tijuana because I knew that what was surrounding me was not as powerful as me and I was not in any danger. And you need to begin to look at every challenge you have in life and understand no matter what is surrounding you, it is not as powerful as the one who is on the inside of you because he already made everything that there is and everything is subject to him. Verse, verse 40 said, then he asked them, oh, well, you got trouble now. He already, you already woke him up from a nap. That's a bad move. And you woke him up screaming at him. That's a bad move. See, you were doing so good. You were following along with him. You, you were getting in the boat with him. You went to the other side with him. Now a little bit of pressure got put on you. Now you're screaming at him, making false accusations against him. Well, he got up, took care of the issue. But then, as every good parent does, once that dust settles, then you got to sit down at the table and have that talk. See, for me, it's in my bedroom. You, 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 you ever have to come in my room, watch me sit in that brown chair, Seth, and just listen to me explain all of life to you? That's on the regular right there. Uh, once the dust settles, then we got to have this talk. Now, so now Jesus gets into that talk, and he looks at these panicking grown men, fishermen, grew up on this one lake that they've seen every storm ever come through there. And he's like, why are you afraid? See, that's an insult to him. That, that is an insult to him. If I'm struggling with a bad back and a bad neck to carry a box from the fellowship hall and, and, and uh, Deacon Cedric walks over, Pastor, let me get that for you. And I'm like, okay. And then the whole time I'm like, you sure you got it, Deacon? This box weighs 30 pounds now. I mean, it was hurting my back. You okay? Can you make it? He's finally going to be like, do you see this? You think I can't tote this? That's an insult. That's light work. That's easy work. Everything of God is easy. And, and he, he asked him, why were you afraid when I'm here? You don't have to be afraid. I told my kids. My kids, when they were little, very infrequently, come in my room, I heard a noise. I'm like, okay, if you heard a noise, and I'm on a business trip out of the state, I get that. You might be a little scared. I got a gun within arm's reach of me. In, in, well, I ain't going to tell you in every single room in my house because I don't want you to come snoop, snooping through my house. But I told them, uh, I just rolled over and, and, and pull, pulled a gun out. And I said, if I'm home, you know I got guns with me. Ain't nobody coming in this house hurting my children when I'm home. You don't need to be nervous when I'm home. And we need to understand, if God is with us, he's got more than nuclear weapons at his disposal. He can handle any problem. And why are you afraid when I'm here? And then he hit them with this. 
Not just do you not have faith. Look at what he said, because the, word the words of God's word is important. He said, do you still have no faith? Do you still? All right, now understand what he's saying. After all you've seen, do you still, after everything I've done for you, do you still, after knowing me and hanging out with me, have no faith? Now, I ain't never seen Deacon Ken in a boxing match. He said there's a reason for that. Well, the current heavyweight champion of the world in boxing is uh, some foreigner named Tyson Fury. And he's six foot nine, 290 pounds, and in 40 professional fights, he's never been beaten. And he's won 80% of his fights by knockout. Now, I don't need a lot of empirical data if Deacon Ken is fighting Tyson Fury to know who's going to win. Because I've seen Tyson Fury do work. Uh, and I've got complete faith. I don't have to, I don't have to see much to have, have, have faith in things that should be easy to determine. See, faith is believing in what you can't see. And Jesus is like, after all that we've been through, you still haven't. That's, that's no faith to him. He's like, man, if you think this storm is going is to hurt, hurt you when you're with me, you got no faith at all. Here it is. I'm going to wrap it up. Fear during a storm shows weak faith. The last thing you ought to want to be accused of is having weak faith. The Bible says in, in the book of Proverbs, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is what? Or small. You, you ought to flourish in the day of adversity. You, you, ought, to be, you ought to be singing that, that old, I don't know who it was, Ray Boltz, Rich Mullen, whoever it was. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. You faded by pressure in your life. Well, what if I lose my job? I don't know how I'm going to keep the rent. Be homeless. Ain't the worst thing in the world. What if I can't pay my, my light bill and they cut my lights off? For the majority of human history, people lived without electricity. Your grandparents didn't have electricity or your great-grandparents didn't have electricity. My mama grew up in a house with no electricity and no bathroom. We freak out about the littlest stuff in the world. I wish we had time and a measuring device to find out. Does your faith get weak? when you're in the middle of some pressure in your life? Or does your faith rise up? Does your faith rise up and say, I know I'm on the winning team, and God will not fail. Oh, the greatest line. I love one-liners in a movie that are memorable. Me and Rick share that in common. We, we, we get to talk about movies when, when, when he would take a minute and hang out with me. And he, he, he loves that like I do. Elder Keon loves that. Like I do, and we'll, we'll talk about great lines in movies. Uh, I think the greatest line in, in that movie, Armageddon, when Ben Affleck's on that jet and, and, and the, cap, the captain's going to want to turn around because he thinks Bruce Willis not going to push the button. And the people on Bruce's team, they say, he'll do it, he'll do it, he'll do it. And Ben Affleck looks at him, and he says, he won't fail. He doesn't know how to fail. And I want you to know something. That might not, may or might not have been true about 
about Harry Stampler in Armageddon. But you can certainly believe it about God. He won't fail. He don't know how to fail. God cannot fail. Don't, don't, you don't have to wonder, is there anything God can't do? Lots of things God can't do. God can't tell a lie. God can't violate his word, and God cannot fail. You need to understand that if you're having fear when pressure gets turned up, it's just a sign of your weak faith. Verse 41 says the disciples were absolutely terrified. They were shocked. They said, who is this man? They asked each other, even the wind and waves obey him. Who is this man? I love how it says it in the King James. What manner of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey him? He's God. He's God. If God's on your team, you don't have to worry about the score. He's not going to fail. If he needs to score 100 points in the last minute, he'll just score 110. God is not going to fail. You need to be amazed by who God is. What should you do with what you've heard? Well, the first thing you ought to do is let the power of Jesus amaze you. The power of God ought to amaze you, and you ought to be looking for it every day. Second thing you ought to do is you ought to know following Jesus will still put you in some storms. Don't be shocked when the pressure comes up. Just be like, it's an opportunity for God to show himself strong. There's a, there's a purpose for your problem. You need to understand it. <coughs> Third thing, don't freak out if you're close to Jesus. He's got this. Deacon Cedric does not want me holding up under that 30-pound box fretting myself that he's going to drop it. Are you going to drop it, Deke? You got it? Light work? I can count on you? How much more so can we count on God? Don't freak out if you're close to Jesus. Fourth thing, don't ever doubt his love for you. Too big insult. You ought to be singing us. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. The fact that he knows your name ought to just amaze you. Fifth, always remember he's more powerful than your problems. It might look big to you, but it ain't big to God. The Bible says with nothing God is impossible and nothing is too hard for God. The last, look for him to do the miraculous in your storms. When you're going through, you ought to just be looking every day. He's about to do something big. He's about to do something big. Dina found a lump in her breast uh, in the past month. Went to the doctor. They took imaging of it. They said, oh, yeah, that's a lump. We're going to have to take a biopsy of it. She went to the doctor on the day of her biopsy. They tried to feel around because they want to draw a little magic marker where they're going to put the biopsy. And they said, uh, let's send her back for some scans. She's like, okay, we're going to take some scans. I thought you were going to take a biopsy. Uh, come back. Doctor tells her, we're not going to be doing a biopsy today because you don't have any lump in your breast. It's gone. There's nothing there at all. It's, it's just It was there and it's not there. Amen. Dina said, praise the Lord. Doctor threw both hands up in there and said, amen. She could have freaked all the way out, but she knew. Lump, no lump. Cancer, no cancer. God can make it vanish. God give me the strength to deal with it. God's going to do something great in the midst of it. Start looking for God to do it big. Last thing I'm going to tell you, I know it's been long. We're going to get out of here. But realize this. The storm tells the truth about you. The storm tells the truth about you. Everybody's okay when it's sunshine and rainbows. But the storm tells the truth about you. When you're going through the worst of the worst, that's what tells the truth about you. How do you react? There's going to be storms. Make sure you got Jesus in your boat.
The Bible says we can come to him in our time of trouble and find grace to help in time of need. I want you to know he will help you because he's a helper. He will save you because he's a savior. He will deliver you because he's a deliverer. And he will rescue you because he's a rescuer. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. And if you got him in the boat with you, stop worrying about the problems in life, no matter how big they seem. Let the storm, the, let the truth the storm tells about you be that you count on God, sunshine or rain. That your faith is deeply rooted in God on your good days, bad days, happy days, and sad days. How you respond to the storm shows the world what you really believe about God. So start trusting Him in everything and start looking for Him to do great things. Pray with me. God, thank you for your love, your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Help us, God, to realize how awesome you are. Help us to know that you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us and that you're on our side. Thank you, God, for salvation. Thank you for your love and your mercy. God, I pray that you'd let us live lives confidently knowing that you're the master of the sea. We love you and we choose your way this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, put your hands together for the God who can calm any storm. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.